Options activity has altered the investment landscape. Get an edge on this massive flow of funds with Tier 1 Alpha's Market Situation Report brought to you by Hedgeye. A daily newsletter of the latest moves in the options market and a weekly webcast featuring myself, Mike Green of Simplify Asset Management, and Tier 1 Alpha's Craig Peterson and David Pegler. Go to hedgeye.com research for more information. Hi, I'm Hedgeye's founder, Keith McCullough. If you like what you hear, you will love our investing research. We bring transparency, accountability, and actionable investing ideas to investors big and small. I'll put our investing process and team up against anyone in the world. Please visit hedgeye.com to subscribe and learn a better way to invest. Good morning, everybody. I'm Daryl Jones, Director of Research at Hedgeye. Welcome to the first edition of In the Arena. We have Bill Pulte here, which I'm very excited to talk to. I just want to apologize. We had a few technical difficulties this morning. Murphy's Law as usual, but we are here and we are live. And thank I had a late Uber driver and then technical seller is what it is. But here we go. So I want to get right into it. I think, Bill, um, you know, as we were talking about early on, People see you on Twitter, see your followers, see you know the charitable stuff, but they don't really know too much about your business background. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, when we first spoke three or four years ago, really intrigued me because number one, you're very involved in Pulte Homes and the turnaround, and then you're very involved in um, private equity investments, sort of coming out of the Great Recession. So maybe you could just tell people a little bit about your business background. Sure. You know, in 2011, I started my firm, Pulte Capital. I started with my grandfather and he had retired as the uh, chairman and at one point was the CEO of Pulte Homes. So I had him as an incredible mentor. 2011, we started buying assets. I actually went in and ran the assets as the CEO. We owned a big countertop company. I ran that business. 2013, I bought another business. 2015, I bought another business. And then in 2016, I had a huge liquidity event. I sold it for $73.5 million myself. Yep. So I made a bunch of money in, in uh, 2016. At the same time, I was uh, seeing Pulte Homes go down the toilet uh, by the CEO who was just making totally selfish decisions. And so I got involved. This was a very public fight. I was on TV every week saying, you know, this guy's got to go and all this stuff. And we got Elliott Management involved, which was the big activist hedge fund. And we turned around the company in 2016. So I was very active in it. And uh, frankly, I think I'm still active in it, albeit in a different way on the outside. But I was a director real quick for four years. For four years, I was a director of this company. And now what's so odd about all of this is they're trying to underplay. It's just complete lies. Uh, I was a very, very active director for four years, getting paid whatever, $240,000 a year. They said I was an accredited director and everything, and we'll get into it, but it's pretty wild. Yeah, so I wanted to ask you, fast forward um, 2020, I guess you get removed from the board. What happened there? Like, what what was the background? basically? They had gotten rid of Elliott Management's director, and Elliott Management, for those who don't know, is a thirty five billion dollar world class investment manager. Yep. These guys, they are no nonsense, no BS. Yep. They go in and they fix companies. When they kicked him off, I said it's only a matter of time before they're coming for me. <laughs> and Ryan Marshall, who is the CEO of, of the company, who you know now there's a story of what's going on there. He conjured up this whole fake idea. That I was somehow violating trademark by using my Pulte Twitter handle. Using your, your, your last name. Using my last name. You can't even you, you can't even make this stuff up. And yeah. this stuff will all come out. And it always comes out. You know, it's just sometimes it's delayed. Hopefully, I can still use Jonesy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a total total. It's just deceitful. So he yeah. went to in front of the board, made me look like a bad guy. Said he won't give up his Twitter handle, uh, which is basically confiscation of board you know board yeah. directors' property. It's crazy. Um, so he essentially pushed me off the board. Marshall did. Yeah. I think it was a terrible decision, in yeah. my opinion, not even just for the company, but for, for everybody involved. It was yeah. stupid. 
Um, and I kind of was minding my own business. Um, yeah. You know, we had turned around the stock. We got involved when it was at $16, $17 a share. Yeah. Uh, you know, by the time I left the board, it was in the, you know, 40 something. So, you know, this this stock had really, was started really had the right direction. We had yeah. made the right decisions, in my opinion. And since then, it's just continued on the trajectory of, you yeah. know, the turnaround, despite the shenanigans of Marshall. Come to find out in this period of time, the CEO, this Marshall's guy's right-hand guy, was running fake Twitter accounts under uh, aliases and then, to attack me. And then one of the tweets, you know, I've been followed that closely, but I did a lot of reading the last 12 hours. Wasn't one of the tweets about your father and golf course or something? Yeah, he said that my grand, my father burned down his country club golf course. This was the executive at Pulte Homes, the right-hand guy, Ryan Marshall, yeah. was alleging and trying to say that I was saying that my my father had burned down this golf. I mean, totally bizarre, bizarre stuff. I mean, this stuff is not normal. How did you... This, like, is it a fact that it was him? Oh, it was, yeah, yeah. Now it's now it's all proven out in the okay. Originally, they tried to, you know, yeah. obfuscate it and everything. Um, and uh, now, you know, now it's proven in the court of law yeah. that uh, he's had to come clean in the court of law that it was it. But he, he had this 25 or 30-year-old Asian lady that he was pretending to be, who he was pretending to be a Pulte Homes employee. Uh, her name was Catalina Chen, okay? He was, <laughs> a, a, you know, he's not Asian and he's not a lady, as far as I know. And he was pretending to be her. He was he took an identity from a dead guy in Kentucky and used that. He's now being sued by a, a physical trainer in California because the, he stole a dead, or he stole the physical trainer's identity to run one of these bot accounts, these fake bot accounts to attack me. And then recently we uncovered in litigation, and, you know, this thing's far from over, that he was impersonating my dead grandfather to run these accounts. So this guy had all these different identities. But why? Like, why do so? I think they want to take me down. You're you're like a senior executive of one of the largest home builders in the country. Like, why even spend the time on Incoming chief operating officer. That's crazy. Crazy. (laughs) Right-hand guy, and he's still the best friend to Ryan Marshall. And that's been the most disappointing thing is Marshall hasn't come out and said this was wrong. Marshall still hasn't even apologized to me. I mean, I I just, uh, I'm very disappointed in, in Ryan's judgment. So- you know, another part of this is CEO compensation. And I saw you tweet that the CEO of Pulte makes 52000 a day. I know CEOs make a lot. I also, you know, we talked about this before the show. Uh, the CEO of Pulte sold about $10 million in stock. And the next day, or maybe that day, you bought that same amount of stock. So what are your thoughts on, I guess, the CEO compensations, you know, particularly at Pulte and, you know, what they're doing with the stock that they're given. These CEOs, many of these CEOs are way too overpaid. And, um, you know, I'm fine, you know, to the extent that it's a founder and they've really created value and things like that. But these guys, they become coupon clippers. Yeah. In my opinion, this Ryan Marshall's really become, and I think his behavior indicates it, a real, you know, like a rent clipper. You know, he's just there to just get his $52,000 a day, the longer time he can go out, and it'll be worth $100 million in no time. Yeah. How does that benefit the shareholders? And now, you know, there's a situation at Pulte where because of the turnaround and because of where interest rates and housing is gone, yeah. you know, these stocks, including all the builders, are at all-time highs. But why are these builders, why are these CEOs who are claiming that they uh, care about the company, that they're such a great CEO and they believe in the future, then unloading on the on dumping on the back of retail shareholders? Yeah. This is what I got into Charlie Gasparino with the other day. Is yeah. like It's like, if you want to talk about stock pumpers, the biggest stock pumpers in my mind are these bad CEOs that yeah. are going out there pumping up the stock and quarterly earnings calls and then jamming the stuff down people's throats yeah. with stock sales. So go- going back to Pulte, um, you know, to your point, a lot of the home builders have done well, but Pulte at one point was the largest home builder in the country. Correct. Now, I think he said four. You know, if you were running the company now, 
How would you get it back to being number one? How would you turn it? You know, I don't know what the market cap is now. Is it? It's about twenty billion. Twenty billion. How would you go from twenty billion to a hundred billion? Yeah, I think it's going to happen in my own opinion. It's yeah. just my own opinion. Uh, and I think it's a matter of time. I think that there are some things that people can do, specifically the management team, to get it there. That's why I'm so vocal that you know these executives shouldn't be running fake Twitter accounts. <laughs> they shouldn't be trying to cut me off of Fox Business. Oh, I was going to talk about that. Yeah, like, you know what I mean? Like, th- yeah. this, like what, how can you be running a company and be firing off emails worried about you know, me going on Fox Business and CNBC? I mean, yeah. We haven't even cracked open what's going on there. Yeah. You won't even believe it once you see it. Yeah. But what are these guys doing doing this kind of stuff? So I think there's a real credible business plan. I'm probably going to be coming out with something pretty soon okay. uh, that's going to that's gonna outline that. But there's a real way to do it. And there's no reason that we can't beat DR Horton, Lennar, and NVR. And they're just, they're smoking. The CEOs there are just, you know, they're not, they wouldn't play these kind of games. Yeah. Right? And then, and the one thing you also said to me was, you know, two weeks before your grandfather died, he basically said to you, save this company, make sure it doesn't get taken over by somebody. Make sure it doesn't go down the toilet. Go down the toilet, preserve the name. So that's part of what's driving a family, oh, that's, family or not part, maybe um, 95% of Yeah, and that's why it's like they can't figure out why I care. Yeah. You know, they can say, oh, this, that, the other thing. It's like, it's not about the money to me. To me, it's about, and anybody would feel this way. If you have a family business, if you love your parents, you love your grandparents, you spend your whole life building a family business, it becomes a publicly traded company. Yeah. And then you see these overpaid executives going in. I think anybody who's reasonable in my position yourself included, wouldn't yeah. just sit there and let these guys just, yeah. you know, uh, you know, take resources away from the company. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of employees that I care about. There's 6,000 employees at Pulte Homes. That's why when the CEO s- sold the stock, I was like, you know, screw that. You know, he's out there showing negative sentiment to the employees. So I went and bought $11.9 million worth of the stock. And you still own, own the stock? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. And by the way, I'm up on it. So, <laughs> there you, my, go. you know, I'm, it's like 17 million now or yeah. something like yeah. that. So it's like, it's like, you know, where's this capital allocation nonsense <laughs> That's if, true. If, if he's dumping the stock? So. Yeah. Okay. So I wanted to pivot and get into the reason you went on Fox, which was, I think you and Charlie had a back and forth on Twitter and he, you know, sort of directly or maybe indir- indirectly or maybe even directly accused you of getting people into these very risky investments and you're going to cause them to lose money. But I don't think that's quite the truth. Like, I think, you know, you've been pretty clear that you could lose any, all your money on any investment. And at times you've also said for a lot of investors, just buying the S&P 500 or a broad index is the way to go. But what what are you trying to do I mean, there? that's the safest way. Yeah, safest, safest way. I, not, I would not, say not put it was bought the mattress, but then yeah. you've got this thing called inflation. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But what, what are you trying to do here? You, you've, I've actually just joined your AMC community. Okay. Um and you're starting other communities. I got eight thousand in the BBBY community. Yeah, that's another community. But what is what is the plan with all this? Like, why even bother? Well, I, first of all, I really love what Hedgeye's done. I really yeah. love what you guys have done. I think Appreciate you guys are the future of financial journalism. I've been a big fan of yours, big fan of Keith's for a long time, yeah. Mike Taylor's, et cetera. And um, I think that it's the future. And I think people are sick and tired of these overpaid executives. You're yeah. sick and tired of people going on these TV networks and with all these fancy language. The one thing I love about what Keith does is that he has empowered. Uh, you know, like Rob Simone in MPW. He's yeah. not afraid of these legal threats. And I think that's also where some of the big networks are going to get is yeah. they don't like being threatened by some of these big public companies. Now, uh, some things have to change, I think, institutionally with who's owning these stocks, you know, BlackRock, Vanguard, Fidelity. I think that eventually will be disrupted too over time. Yeah. So I'm just trying to, you know, contribute to it. And, you know, to the extent that there's opportunities to, you know, put forth your guys' content on these things or yeah. put up forth other content, the, the average user, I think, needs to get educated. And a lot of these people are in AMC, Bed Bath & Beyond, yep. all these different stocks. They're not bad people. Uh, they just are sick and tired of being told, hey, you can't participate in the stock market. It's not, um, 
you know, it's not for you. It's just for some elites on Wall Street. That's why I love what Hedge Eye stands for. Yeah. And that's why I, I cheer on Rob Simone, like uncovering the fraud. Because if Rob's not going to do it, who's going to do it? So AMC is- If we don't do it, yeah, who's no, going to do oh, it? Oh, no, exactly. Some, somebody's got to be the voice for, for the people, effectively. Um, AMC is an interesting one. You know, we obviously have analysts on the stock. He's been negative. You know, it made people a lot of money. And then, you know, it also has really hurt a lot of people, um, you know, just- even in your community, you can see people complaining about how much they've lost. And But part of this, I think, is an opportunity to teach people, right? Teach people about risk management. Like, if you want to invest in AMC, be aware of what it is. Yeah, I specifically say you can lose all your money. Yeah. And so, by the way, you can lose your money in everything. Yeah, yeah exactly. Theoretically, you can lose your money in the S&P 500. You could lose it in the, the Pulte Homes, et cetera. But you did buy AMC. I bought you yeah. know, a small portion of well, AMC, yeah. more, mostly just to show that my sentiment is with the retail investor. Yep. That, you know- that there is some merit to it. And I think that's why we had, we had an event, we had 250 people show up in Atlanta uh, in an airport hangar. <laughs> yeah. It was like a rally for just stock stock investors. Yeah, we have that. another one in Atlanta, I think there's gonna be 500 people there. Yeah. People are sick and tired of this stuff. Yeah, And they wanna take back the power. And then Bed Bath & Beyond, that's an interesting one because I, I think if I have this correct, you actually bought Bob. I did, yeah. And what's the play there? I mean, again, it seems to be to get more information to help inform people. Basically, that's it. I'm going to give away any money that I get on the ponds. I'm not in this for the money with regard to empowering these different people. But I saw that the BBBY people were good people. Um, you know, they knew, I think, you know, just my opinion, that they were getting into a risky situation. Yeah. But the lack of answers from people, you know, let, let, let me just look at it through the lens of like MPW and what Rob Simone's done there. You have this guy, this Mark Triton guy, and this is just my opinions, but he was the CEO of Bed Bath & Beyond. He goes and he does these buybacks and basically drives the company, in my opinion, into bankruptcy. Yeah. And then he gets to walk away unscathed. Yeah. How is that fair? How is that fair? And so at a minimum, it needs to be like, okay, you know, how much should Triton walk away with? Uh, how do these buybacks go down? Yeah. What is the waterfall from the bankruptcy? You know, he's this 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 executive now. I think he's on the board of Nordstrom's or whatever. Meanwhile, all these other retail shareholders are left with the bag. So for me, it's just all about, you know, transparency. And again, it's kind of the same ethos that you guys have. And then, you know, one thing, you, and you actually, you actually texted me on the side saying you weren't talking about us, but you also, um, I think it was with Bed Bath & Beyond as well, but maybe another stock, but talking about uh, short sellers and, you know, maybe some of them aren't as reputable as, as maybe we tried to be or whatever, but like, what are your thoughts on short sellers? Well, my comments really on short sellers are, first of all, that uh, just generally speaking, these guys who literally all day long, and this is what I like too about Hedge Eye is that you guys also go long yeah. and you guys don't want to, in my opinion, from what I've seen, want to destroy people's lives. Right. Some people are actively rooting against these different companies. Like I have people that are actively taking out shorts on Pulte Homes because they want literally my family and I to go bankrupt. And that's their entire ethos for doing it. Right. It's not because it's some hedge. It's yeah. because it's literally a vendetta against me. So, you know, I put out a fairly inflammatory tweet and, uh, <laughs> you know, about short sellers. Uh, and, you know, there is some nuance to that, yeah. right? Like, I think, you know, often what you guys are doing in hedging risk, I think there's some some differences. I also think that, um, you know, this whole idea just in life of betting against people, I think is a very miserable way to go about doing things. And so I just try to say, you know, to the extent that we can, you know, going long something, in my opinion, at least for me, is yeah. more mentally healthy than, yep. you know, wanting to see stuff go down. Yeah. I mean, I think we really try to find short opportunities where, People could lose a lot of money because something really bad is going on at the company, or they may lose money, and or there may be better long opportunities in a shorter period of time, or something like that. Uh, before we bring in Mike, though, I wanted to go back to um, whole, Gasparino. Oh. Well, well, <laughs> Gasparino too. I mean, that was interesting. Uh, the 
the biggest thing to me was that the company tried to deplatform you. Yeah, do you got that email up? Yeah. There, can we show this email? I don't know if we can pull it up. It's an email. Yeah, I was, I just, like, like, again, I go back to why even bother, right? Like, you're running a company. Like, they're running, a, not even a company, they're running a Fortune 500 enterprise. I would want the grandfather's, or sorry, yeah, the, the founder of the company's grandson to be an advocate for my company. I wouldn't want to be an ally, not deplatform him. Yeah, not try to villainize him and do engage in all this behavior. They should be putting their arms around me instead. Yep. You know, they're literally trying to throw me off a, a canyon, which is not going to happen. But yeah, that was wild. You saw that email. So they went on, they went and they emailed Fox Business and, you know, we know of others and, you know, this law. Can, can we ask how you got it? Uh, <laughs> you know, I think that there are a lot of uh, people that, you know, and this is indicative of what happened after I, you know, saw this most recent thing is that. People are uncomfortable with that. That is not that is not somebody who's that is not proper behavior of a sitting public company yeah. executive. So I, I just I think if you engage in dark behavior, you know, yeah. in my opinion, which that is, that shit's going to come out. Yeah, and yeah, they should be, you know. So more to come on that because okay. One last question, then Mike's coming on. But this is going back to housing. But you know, your thoughts on the U.S. housing market? Yes, like, like you know a lot about it more than any of us. Well, to me, to what, me, it looks pretty interesting, you know, especially as rates come down because the inventory is so low. So the home builders should really benefit. Well, let me just say one thing because that email said something that's essentially attacking my qualifications that I wasn't <laughs> right. expert on Pulte Group, okay? I grew up in this business, number one. Number two, I was trained by the guy who founded and built the company. Number three, I was a sitting director for four years and led a turnaround with Elliott Management, the world's biggest investor on the company. Yeah. So I want people to know when I say this, you know, that I'm saying yeah. it. There's some knowledge, you know, because, you know, you read these emails and this is what they're trying to do, right? They're yeah. trying to deplatform me from you, from Fox, you know, yeah. et cetera. Not necessarily you yet, but we'll see. But, <laughs> um, and I don't think it will be successful, but my point being is, okay, so, so what, so what knowledge do I have that in my opinion, you know, allows me to look at it and say, what is unique about home building right now? What is unique about home building right now? And again, a lot of people look at this and say, oh, you're just a housing guy. But back in, let's say back 10 years ago or so, the market share of the top 10 builders was less than 10% yeah. in, the, in the United States. Today, their market share is over 30%, close to four, headed to 40%, and I think it will be over 50%. What does that mean? That means that these big builders, whether it's Pulte, DR Horton, Lennar, they are gobbling up all of these small builders. Yeah. That is the untold story. You're not going to see that in these you know, different Wall Street Journal pieces and stuff where you know they talk about uh, you know, inventory is being bought up by BlackRock. You're not going to see that, but that's what's happening. Why is that happening? It's happening because these small builders do not have the capitalization that these big yeah. home builders have. And after the Great Recession, there was not a lot of financing for land. Yeah. All of the local banks and small banks, these were the big lenders for these small home builders. Now what you have is you have these mammoth builders. Think about them like automakers, like, yep. you know, like they're, they're just going to take the market share and they're just going to own it. Yep. So when you're going along these builders, I think you're also going along market share, basically aggregation of housing in the United States. Of course, you have the inventory issue. Of course, you have rates going down. But I just can't emphasize how much market share is going to be important. Then demographics. You know, I also think too, um, you know, one of the things, Daryl, that we've said, and we haven't really talked about this, and I have my brother here today, and one of the things we're meeting with people in New York is we're going in and buying actually mobile home parks, believe it or not, the Pulte family. We're going in and buying mobile home parks because they're already zoned. And then, Daryl, what we're doing is because they have this monopoly on zoning is then we're bringing in new homes and making these new communities. Yep. So my point being is these big builders, they have the zoning capability, 
They because they can take down large pieces of land. They can invest in the infrastructure. So they're going to continue to take market share. Zoning is worse than ever. Immigration. I mean, the amount of people coming in from the Mexican border is insane. And what that does is it actually, like in the mobile home parks, it actually raises rents in mobile home parks. And then it just it just goes all, it just pushes everything up. It pushes up uh, single family rentals. Yep. It pushes up uh, apartments. It pushes up home builders. So I think that there is going to be a secular trend in home building for the next 10 years if you're long these names. Now, of course, you know, housing is interest rate sensitive, job sensitive. This shit can go down. Yeah, it's economically sensitive. Of course. But that's the untold story of what's yeah. going on in housing. Okay, Mike, let's bring you in. What's up? Thank you for yeah. carpet bombing. <laughs> so for you're a good man. All that didn't know, uh, Bill Pulte and I met on Twitter. <laughs> uh, and uh, I didn't know he was Bill Pulte of Pulte Homes at the time. Yeah. And we hit it off and we talked for months. I didn't figure that out until like four or five months yeah, later. And this is a direct reflection of my IQ. So I'm <laughs> <laughs> just saying, so you know. It's one of the best, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I'm gonna, I have to ask you a question since you're here. And it's going to be very broad and general. But what is happening in the economy, the world right now? Like, how are you thinking about the markets? And, yeah. You know, I know you always have all sorts of thoughts and ideas and positions on, but like, you know, if you can summarize well, it up and- I Really to sum it up, and it's been said before uh, by many leaders out there in investing, is that the, the, the American grandiose world that we live in is uh, financed by a federal government that is spending like uh, we're in the, the depths of the depression. And you couple that with a, unemployment rate that's very low and we're going to be where we are right now yeah. where everything is popping and moving and most of it is government spent yeah um my biggest fear that i have and we've talked about pricing power and so forth you'll see it like for instance hzo uh reported this morning and blew up and that they have negative pricing in, in yachts yeah. and i did some checks on it and yes the pricing is negative so i'm <laughs> negatively positioned yeah. uh for this name so you and, just sold your yacht yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I was smart. I never bought one. Yeah. That's the, the you, you have a yacht, right? No. No, no. Oh, that doesn't make got money. Me all excited. <laughs> no, well, that doesn't make money. They tell you your best friend should always own a yacht. Yeah. So it's you, not me. <laughs> yeah. So it'll be him eventually. <laughs> but uh, my point is, is that this spending uh, comps terribly for 25. And the government, there's two things that have to happen next year. Um, for 25 is that the Trump tax cuts for corporates have to be uh, immortalized because they all are supposed to sunset and that's yeah. going to cost a lot of money. And then we're going to need uh, about $1.5 trillion in excess government spending to deliver GDP to a higher number year on year. And both of those are unbelievably difficult to do. Nothing will be agreed upon. And so we're probably going to have an air pocket in 25 and a big one, a giant one. Yeah. And that's what I'm worried about, just sequentially. But even beyond that, the things that we have to deal with are substantial. We have to deal with a government, let's say, entitlement system with Social Security and Medicare that is probably going to drive up $30 trillion in deficits over the next decade or 12 years or so. And we have to find a buyer for that. Yeah. So I, I think that there's going to be banking regulations changes, insurance companies regulation changes in the not too distant future which is exactly what Japan did yeah. to for, find slash force a buyer of U.S. treasuries. Um, and that, that largely has to do with 45% or so of our treasuries 
are bought overseas. So we have to have an OUS buyer in order to keep the ship afloat. So how do we bring this to the here and now? Like, and actually a question for both of you, because um, I know, Bill, you do a lot of uh, investing in your family office, but how are you positioned today? I am pretty neutral right now. Yep. Uh, I'm overall, I'm long select healthcare. Yep. And I am one of the largest shareholders in the pink ETF. Yep. Uh, which I manage myself. Um, yeah, for people who don't know you, because a lot of my followers are tuned in right now, you run a big ETF. You're an investment manager, hedge fund guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you should maybe give us a little bit about your background. Just for my followers. Yeah, every sure. hedge I know. Yeah. Well, I started out uh, as a scientist doing drug development yeah. and uh, transitioned from that into an investor. And I've been a, an investor slash hedge fund manager of uh, healthcare investments for most of the past 20 years. Yep. And uh, for the past few years, I've been working on the Pink Fund, yep. which is the uh, the only actively traded ETF does healthcare uh, that uh, where the fees and my compensation goes to the Susan Komen Foundation for breast cancer. Yep. So we can uh, do well and do good. Yeah, I like that. So you're that's my kind of head. Yeah, I like, <laughs> I like that. There are many of them, but uh, so you're basically neutrally positioned right now. I'm pretty neutral. Some healthcare. Yeah, and, and what I'm trying to what, what I'm trying to be on is short negative pricing power. Yeah, and it's going to permeate. And and this is uh, automakers, uh, things like that, that yacht seller HCO, um, uh, things like that. Yeah. And against that, I'll be. I'm actually long in a surrogate way uh, an interest rate cha- trade. Yeah, I'm long one of the uh, lenders yep. uh, into the mortgage market specifically retail mortgage because. I think we are going to have a transition of lower interest rates and more home, same store homes, like yep. existing home sales being turned over a lot more moving forward. And then, Bill, carry, carry, you know, we, we know some of your positions, big position in Pulte Homes, small risk-adjusted position in AMC. I also learned something, a big position in Mr. Beast. <laughs> I like that. Yes, yes, yes. But, you know, how, how are you thinking about your positioning within your family office and what you see out there? You know, I think that one of the things that we're really focused on is owning hard assets that cash flow that will appreciate with inflation. One yep. of the things that I've really appreciated with Hedgeye and learning from you guys is the growth inflation uh, model. Yep. That has been super helpful for me. Yep. I mean, I just first want to give you guys kudos. I appreciate that. That, that. what You know, the whole quad angle and the whole inflation... That has really opened my eyes. I knew a lot of this stuff instinctively having grown up with my grandfather and learned a lot about business and building my own businesses. But that kind of angle, and for all my followers who are listening, I encourage you to go get these guys' products. But the the inflation and the the growth angle is so important. And the way I look at it is I think in inflation, even though, yeah, it's going to be going down year over year, I think long-term it's a big issue for all the reasons he's talking about with financing. So we are going long what we know. We know single-family rentals, so we're buying... This is partially where Pulte Homes is leaving a lot of money on the table. This is what I think is going to get them to be big, bigger, yep. is going to be through single family rentals. We are also buying mobile home parks, Daryl. Yep. And we are going along those and we are coming in and we are revamping those. And we are making these nice communities where people can live. Why is that? That's because mobile homes and mobile home parks are grandfathered in from a zoning perspective. Zoning is a huge problem. Yep. And you can't build anything in this country anymore without... You know, I mean, you know, they're more worried about a turtle sometimes <laughs> bothering a turtle and a bird than they are, you know, new subdevelopments. So, um, you know, we're going along, you know, we're, we obviously have positions in the market. Yep. You know, obviously we follow Hedgeye stuff. Yep. Um, and we've got, you know, substantial, you know, positions in the market. But that's really where we're looking at is and and how can we create value in these markets that we think are just going to go up, meaning 
yeah. single family homes and stuff, we think that's just going to be a home run investment for the yeah. next period of time. So Mike, I want to pivot back to you. Um, we talked a little bit about short selling earlier um, and there are, there is some negative connotation about short selling. There are some negative actors within the short selling community, but you, you know, were basically a perfect, not just a short seller, but you professionally shorted for two decades or whatever. What do you think the role of short selling is in the market? And, you know, how do you think, you know, a more simple version for maybe some new listeners, like how, how, how should they think about that aspect of investing? Well, when you say short selling, it just gets me excited. Yeah. (laughs) And in that excitement, happy birthday to you. Thank you. I appreciate it. So 50, 50, I feel like I've been shorting for 50 years in a diaper again to work. Um, I look, short sellers are different breed, you know, yeah. Not cojotes. Yeah. Definitely cut from different cloth. Uh, I do both. I go both ways yeah. in a big way. And I had to. Most of it is sort of like an attrition by a uh, semi or yeah. certain execution where you get sat in a seat, people are shooting at you. And then at the end of the war, you look over and see who's still alive and who's not. And most don't make it. And it's because of shorting yeah. in the hedge fund world. That's why they don't make it. Yep. And you find out over time if you're any good at it or not. And what I found out was that I was good at it. I never really wanted to be. It's very hard to do. Everybody hates you. But usually the most simplistic part to short selling is stuff that doesn't make sense. Yep. And like you talked about MPW earlier, they've been running these shenanigans for years of this nonsense of them building their own debt, giving it to their renter, the renter taking that debt on so that they can pay the rent back to MPW. So it's a circular dog shit that yeah. just root. And the stop was all of a sudden the cost of capital went up for MPW because it went up for everybody. Yep. And and that was the beginning of the expose. How are these guys not gone? Oh, no. You know, my focus really is well, the over. I'll tell you why. Because I, yeah. I know you can make money, you can short these different things and stuff, but it's like, how are we letting executives like this run, co- run <laughs> companies like this in America? Boards. Right, I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I, you heard about yeah. this. So, just so you know, I'll explain it to you how it works. Is that it, it, when you're on the board, you want to either be CEO or if you are CEO, you want to stack the board with people who are your buddies. Why do you think? And I they get consulting agreements. <laughs> they get the buy. They get it. They can borrow from the company to get a yacht. You know, like uh, MPW. Yeah. Um, and and most importantly, you have the compensation board. Now, that's the most important group on the board to be in charge of. And by the way, that's side. partially why the CEO, in my opinion, wanted me off. Yeah. I was on oh, the yeah. compensation committee. Oh, Corey, I want you. I want <laughs> you off right now. I never want to see you again. You're the worst guy. Yeah. You're the worst guy to be on it. Yeah. But I wasn't so, going away. Yeah. yeah. I hope not. No. I hope not. Bolty for president, by the way. Don't forget it. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, okay. sorry, yeah, finish with shorting. Just getting yeah. back on shorting is that you find things that don't add up and then you need to attack. And that's it. And and Cahodes does it in a very public way. I do it in a very private, quiet way yeah. where I send to some of my friends. It's really curiosity. Where am I wrong here? Yeah. How am I wrong here? And that's really the secret to shorting is understanding it. Tesla is another great one today. Yeah. The sign that Tesla was in trouble was actually over a year ago when the CFO quit. Yeah. And a real internal guy. And then we, you figure out he quits, and then you can see what's going to happen to their P&L moving forward. It gets really, really, really... So hard. how low do you... I mean, well, how I, bad do you think the business... Tesla is going to get cut in half. Okay. Yeah. The, but, it's not the business is doing terribly badly. It's doing but better it's real, than those automakers. Would you agree it's a real business? 
It is a real business. The problem is that real business is a single digit net margin business. When you take out the royalties they're getting for all these other automakers for these pseudo EV carbon credits, if you will. But Bill, you were, I don't know if you still are, at one point you were long Tesla. And I, I, if I look back at the date, I think you probably did quite a lot of it, but I, <laughs> I sold that position. Okay. Actually. Yeah. I did pretty good. So at the moment you have no position. In Not right now. Yeah. No. Okay. No. Um, I, I bought a million bucks and then it was a good buy. I bought it when in 20 or something. Yeah. <laughs> That's a very good buy. Um, I want to talk briefly um, about Reddit and, you know, this is where I think Charlie kind of got it wrong a little bit. He was, you know, cause we had the GameStop of the world, the AMCs of the world, but you know, if you want to call these short squeezes or whatever, these existed long before Reddit, reddit.com ever existed, right? You know, you, you've been doing this for a long time. I remember Micron 20 years ago had this incredible short squeeze. I think Volkswagen had Oh, that was epic. But maybe you could just explain to people on a basic level the dynamics of what happens here. Because it's not, it's not just the retail investors on Reddit. Yeah. Like there's real market structure things happening. Well, there was a huge market structure thing that happened that we'd never seen before. Yeah. Nearly every single adult American got a free check from the government of size. <laughs> that was the event. And what do they do? Well, they start sports gambling. Yeah. They buy a new TV, uh, update their uh, their iPod and their whatever their iPhone is, and then they buy, open up a Robinhood account. And we saw in a period of, say, 21 to 22, uh, 20 years worth of new accounts yeah. opened, all in compressed in an 18-month period. A lot of new. And what did they do? Well, the, their research is to go on Reddit and find out what everyone's doing. Uh, it's GameStop. It's AMC. Yeah. We're going to craft these short squeezes. And it worked. It worked in but, the beginning. But, but it always works. Ga- GameStop, to be fair, um, there was a fundamental case there. We were actually long it. Oh, you guys were one of the first ones yeah, doing it. Like we were long it. I'm going to get these numbers wrong. But there was a play from called 5 to 20 or whatever. But then I think what people discovered is this massive short position, right? Mm-hmm. And so you had people being forced to cover as more people, more and more these people were, you know, not just these people, yeah. all people and that institutions were buying, right? We had a client that lost billions and a client that made billions on GameStop. So I most probably lost if they were running hedge books. Yeah. And I know personally several that got cleaned out in AMC GameStop. Yeah. I eventually found right, but many, many lost their jobs between yeah you know, point A and point B. Yep. And that was really the game that they were trying to play. At so the retail investor won? For the short term, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then, you know, reality sets in. Uh, Bet Bath & Beyond is one, at yep. AMC, and many, many others. In fact, right now, and, and I've said this many times on the show, we're looking at the largest number of bankruptcies of publicly traded companies that I've ever seen, ever yep. encountered. Uh, over the next 18 months. And, uh, you know, all these uh, vast majority of them are already down, you know, one, two, three dollars a share. Yeah. And uh, I think like Bed Bath and Beyond, you might not know much about it, but do you think if you had a good CEO in there, somebody who was not doing all these buybacks, was building a really good business, dynamic enough that they would have been able to save a company like that? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I really yeah because because it could be well what do you do with that cash otherwise than buybacks um, I can't really say I would want a cash selling business I can't that's really that's really say that's what I should do with GameStop well I mean AMC yeah. bought a gold he's mine got, <laughs> that's true he's got a billion right. GameStop Ryan Cohen's got a billion dollars worth of cash I think he should buy something buy something that cash flows yeah and this thing can go yeah well, yeah well they can but that's that's really the issue is that they'd have to pivot 
uh, GameStop is probably looking at negative sequential re- revenue comps from as far as the eye can see forever. Yeah. I mean, it's the radio shack of gamers. And uh, yeah, it's going to move quick. Yeah. But, but that issue, and you know this, is like, wh- unless he buys you, then I get long. But <laughs> chances are they're going to make a terrible mistake. It's like, I don't know, 99.9%. You know, the only thing that gives me comfort is Brian Cohen, because I think he's a decent guy personally. But secondly is, you know, he's raised in a good family environment, is yeah. a strong dad, et cetera, is also that his other holding, his biggest holding from what I see outside of GameStop is Apple. So he's buying a, he's buying, you know, he knows to buy for his own portfolio yeah. something that's very good cash flowing yeah. asset. Okay, I wanted to bring, actually. <laughs> I know that's not very motivating, <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know. I think I, I, yeah, but I think Apple's a short too. So. <laughs> the short term, short. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a cash flowing business. Yeah. This guy's in a stupid guy. He's having a chewy. Yeah, that's really. Well, I'm sure that one too. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is how markets work. You can have intellectual good people can have both sides of a position or debate. Uh, I did want to bring in your brother to say hi. Okay, if he's if he's around. Oh yeah, let's get him in. Well, well Twitter knows him now. Well, he's coming in, uh, if he can make it in. I actually want, we're going to wrap it up soon, but I wanted to ask both of you guys for somebody that's new to investing, what is some advice you would give them? Like, maybe they're watching this, you've intrigued them in stocks or investing. Like, what is the first thing you yeah, do? Yeah, personally, it would be to read the uh, to read and understand financial statements, the income statement, the balance sheet, yeah. the cash flow statement. I think that's what my message often is, too, with these retail shareholders and stuff, yeah. is I'm trying to educate people on all the parts that go into the income statement and whatnot. Yeah. And that's why when Gasparino says, oh, well, you want people to lose money. First of all, I say, well, if they don't know anything, then they're definitely going to lose money. Yeah. Second of all is how do we educate them so they don't go and put all their life savings into yeah. uh, you know, something that has a terrible income statement balance sheet. I mean, most people don't even know the three statements that go into funny yeah. That's true. And it's kind of crazy. Yeah, I, I agree entirely. Yeah. And that's where I get a lot of inquiries on Twitter. Yeah. I, I want to, he calls it X now. But, uh, you know, I want to get involved with this. I want to get involved with that. I say, you got to learn how to read the P&L yep. and understand what the pieces and parts, gives and takes are, what makes sense and what doesn't. Uh, but we always, we have to be cognizant that the vast majority of retail investors right now, that those 20 years worth of investors that were compressed into an 18-month period, 21 yep. and 22, um, they're still learning. They're still learning. Yep. And for the most part, the only way that they can, their research is price confirmation, price action confirmation. If it's going up, buy it. If it's breaking, don't buy it or sell it. And that's why we keep seeing so many stocks go chug, 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 right into a queue and then just blow the hell up. FedEx just did it recently. Um, In fact, almost the vast majority of things that just blew up uh, or just chug, 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 crash because nobody can do the work on it. And that's, that is new uh, to me, seeing so many people involved in a market that do not know how to do the work. Okay. It, we, oh, we, it's all new. We have another Pulte to introduce. This is Steven. <laughs> Steve. Steve's my brother, and a lot of people on Twitter know him. <laughs> he uh, is also helping run the communities with the new stocks yeah. that we have going on. And he runs mobile home, a lot of mobile home stuff for us as well, you know, transfer, transforming yeah. the communities as well as single family rental. And so people should follow him on Twitter, obviously, but also, did you guys, are you starting to do a morning show too? I think we're going to be done <laughs> long. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, just exactly. So you're, you're going to be like me and listen to your brother talk like I do with Keith. <laughs> no, my, my brother's a very smart guy, yeah. but um, just answering your question in terms of my thoughts, like, yeah. you know, when I was at Notre Dame, I studied finance there and I ran our uh, investment club. One of oh, the best okay. pieces of, of advice that I always gave was like buy some stock, right? One yeah. stock, two shares, three shares, yeah. ten shares, whatever it is. 
but like you immediately start to care about yeah. whatever it is that you're doing when you have some stake in the game. So yeah. like to accelerate your learning, like I think I remember the first stock I, I bought, I actually lost a ton of money on yeah, yeah. relatively at the time. Yeah. But you know, like that really gets you in the game to the point where you have a stake in your learning. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's great advice. Things you want to do on on ours was just like once again to continue. Yeah, like educate people. Yeah, but yeah, I think like with investing, you know, the best investors I know work the hardest and study the most, mm-hmm. right? And you know that is what's going to help you in any game, whether it's home building, investing, prevail over time. So uh, I think yeah, they're all addicted. Yeah, all of them. Tudor, Steve Cohen. Yeah. I mean, compulsive behavior yeah. of studying and trading. Yeah. And everyone who's successful has exactly those attributes. So we'll help you guys out however we can. We've got these communities. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, well, Ninja has just amazing resources. I think we have some three-way collaboration that can happen here. So I'm excited yeah, about it. I think so. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thank Man. you very much for tuning in. Thanks for these gentlemen for joining us. Hope you enjoyed the webcast. Take care. Don't forget to check out Hedgeye.com to get more actionable investing insights from our team of more than 40 research analysts. And check us out on Twitter at our handle, at Hedgeye. This presentation is informational only. None of the information contained herein constitutes an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security or investment vehicle, nor does it constitute investment recommendation or legal, tax, accounting, or investment advice by Hedgeye or any of its employees, officers, agents, or guests. This information is presented without regard for individual investment preferences or risk parameters and is general, non-tailored, non-specific information. This content is based on information from sources believed to be reliable. Hedge is not responsible for errors and accuracies or omissions of information. The opinions and conclusions contained in this report are those of the individual expressing those opinions and conclusions and are intended solely for the use of Hedge subscribers and the authorized recipients of the contents. All investments entail a certain degree of risk and financial instrument prices can fluctuate based on several factors, including those not considered in the preparation of the content. Consult your financial professional before investing. The information contained herein is protected by United States and foreign copyright laws and is intended solely for the use of its authorized recipient. Access must be provided directly by Hedge Redistribution or republication is strictly prohibited. For more detail, please refer to the terms of service at hedgehog.com slash terms of service.